you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Welcome to Move the Sticks. Buck, here in Lucas Oil Stadium for the NFL Scouting Combine. How you doing, man? Man, I'm, I'm great. Like, obviously, it's a, it's a long week, but it's a great week for us because it's an opportunity to see a lot of these guys that we watched on film all fall finally get a chance to see them up close and personal, and not only to see them work out, but to talk to them. Uh, so you and I, we've talked about falling in love with the football character. Uh, some of the mistakes that we've made is when we haven't had enough uh, information on what makes the guy tick. Well, this year, I'm on a mission to make sure that we find out those guys, especially those top guys, figure out what they're built about. 100%. And, and you come to the combine, you get the testing, you obviously get the medical, which is very important. Um, also great for us to get a chance to visit with some of our buddies in the coaching uh, fraternity, as well as uh, the general managers around the league. And uh, we're going to get a chance to have two conversations today with two of the best general managers in the National Football League. Chris Greer with the Miami Dolphins, and people don't know his background, how respected he is. He's armed with draft picks. He's got three first-round picks 
He's got a couple next year. He's going to be the man that kind of controls the draft for the next couple seasons. Get a chance to visit with him as well as Chris Ballard, who's built a very talented roster here in Indianapolis. Yeah, Chris Ballard, you talked about the way that Chris Greer is revered. Well, Chris Ballard also has a very good reputation for building a team and putting it together and having one of the best eyes when it comes to the evaluation process. So it'll be great to pick his brain on all things scouting, how to put together a team rather than collecting individual talents. Um, I can't wait to kind of kick this off. Also going to get a chance to, to preview the tight end position as well as the offensive line position a little bit later on in the show. But before we get to those interviews and those positions, Buck, uh, some of the news, I guess the big story here is, is the lack of big hands uh, for Joe Burrow, checking it just nine inches. Uh, for context, Jared Goff, nine-inch hands. Pat Mahomes, nine-and-a-quarter-inch hands. But it sent some people in a frenzy. Yeah, it sent some people in a frenzy. Part of it stems from the old-school belief that your quarterback needs to have big hands. When you begin to uh, just kind of think about how they're going to perform in inclement conditions, do they have big enough hands to hold on to the ball if it's a wet or slick ball? Uh, those things kind of factor into that old-school mentality. Uh, I think we've seen enough guys with smaller hands uh, have success. Jared Goff has had a pretty respectable career, led a team to a, a Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes is an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. So Joe Burrow didn't have anything that we've seen on film to indicate that his hand size would be an issue, but it's something that we have to talk about because it did come up short when you compare him to some of the other quarterbacks that are in the league. Yeah, I think, you know, I haven't talked to anybody that's been really all that concerned because, as you mentioned, when you watch the tape, you don't see it as an issue. If it confirmed an issue you saw on tape and then you have the small hands, uh, then maybe cause for concern. I don't think it's much of a big deal. Another thing that caught my eye today and listen to some of these press conferences, uh, Jason Light with the Bucks was asked about would they consider drafting a quarterback, and he said, no, I would love, I would love to draft a quarterback and kind of couched it at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, Bruce Arians, I believe, went out and said, you know, I can win with, with Jameis Winston, but it still stopped a little bit short of full commitment there to him. And that comes on the heels of just kind of a lot of buzz and rumors you hear around the league of people attaching a guy like Jacob Eason to Tampa. Yeah. And I don't know what you're reading at that this point in time, but to me, I thought there's a little smoke there. Absolutely. And I, I think we've had this conversation about Jacob Eason and where he kind of fits in the evaluation. And I think we both have kind of talked about, like, it's, it's easy to see him being a first-round pick, and people will take him to task for maybe the lack of production or lack of consistency that he displayed at UW. But I think we're at a new time now when it comes to evaluating quarterback. I mean, if you go back to Josh Allen, there were some issues about his consistency and his accuracy, but yet he is a guy that is taken in the top ten, and he's had a pretty solid start to his career in Buffalo, albeit in a different manner. I think with Easton, the thing that is so appealing to him, scouts just love the natural talent. He's big. He has a classic delivery. He has a big arm. He can spin it. And you see the flashes on tape of him making big-time throws. And then when people talk to him, if the IQ checks out, there are going to be a handful of offense coordinators and quarterback coaches that say, I have the magic touch. I can bring it out of him. And because of that, I think people need to get comfortable with the thought of Jacob Eason being a first-round pick. Yeah, I haven't gotten comfortable yet just in my own personal evaluation just because of some of the inconsistency that you mentioned there. But, man, there is a lot of talent to work with, and I think you'll have a big week uh, here in Indianapolis. All right, Buck, let's let's get to our, our first conversation here because we had a chance, as I mentioned, to talk to the man who really holds the keys of this draft, the Miami Dolphins, three first-round picks. They're loaded with picks throughout other rounds as well as into next year. And, look, it came at a cost. You trade a Minka Fitzpatrick. You trade yeah. a Laramie Tunsil. These are impact premier players. 
you got all these picks. Now you got to make the right choices. Uh, that's the challenge for Chris Greer. But I think you will enjoy listening to our conversation with the Dolphins general manager. I appreciate you joining us today. This, uh, first of all, new format here for the Combine. Early impressions of, of the change. Uh, it's a lot of sitting around right now. <laughs> so, uh, I said it, which is not good for me because I'm eating, which is not good. So, um, But, yeah, but it's, a, it's a, a lot of downtime, which is, you know, it, it gives you time to catch up watching film still on some stuff and do uh, uh, other things. But it, for me, you're just stretching it out, and it's just a lot of downtime. So when we think about the combine, where does this kind of stack in the evaluation uh, process? Like you spend the fall doing the tape, and then you go and watch people work out, and you do the interviews. How do you weight both aspects accordingly? Well, I think you know the big part, like you guys, been is it's the tape is the majority of it. I mean, that really kind of tells you who it is, because um, you know with the combine, the players can kind of fake it. <laughs> you know, I mean, guys will go, they'll train, they'll get get in shape, or you know, change their bodies. You have a guy that. Like today, that we know was you know overweight, heavy comes here, he slimmed down <laughs> and looks good. So, and then the thing that's changed, I think, over the years, which is interesting for me, is all the agents hiring former GMs and, and players to uh, for the interview process to you know coach them up, <laughs> you know, and so to come here for you know 15, 18 minutes to try and you know, decide is this the right person you know for your organization. For the most part, you can, but you're still not enough time. You're going to have to go spend time and get out of this, you know, setting because everything's so rehearsed and coached for these guys now, and that's the hard part of trying to really get to know who they are. One of the things that I think is fascinating, I was, I was talking with a head coach yesterday, and he actually showed me some of the stuff that he's done to kind of provide the menu for the personnel department, right? So just kind of in terms of the ideal player for us in this, in our defense, it looks like this, and, and had a list of five players in the league that were kind of the premier players. Five players he thought could be like real functional starters in their system. Mm -hmm. How do you guys go about doing that, Con connecting with the coaching staff to make sure you guys are shopping for the right groceries? Yeah, that's imperative. You know, it's uh, the communication has to be, you know, everyone has to be on the same page. you got no chance. So it's a lot of time with Brian and the coaching staff and the scouts making sure that, you know, uh, whether it's prototypes, you know, or um, talking about, you know, scheme-specific stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the communication and, and really spending time. Um, talking through things so that, you know, whether it's, you know, again, talk about some of the top players, but again, it's, it's part of that still has to be the makeup of the player. You know, I mean, it's, you always see talented players, but sometimes they may not fit for what you want, you know, whether it's mentally, character wise, et cetera. Um, so again, talking through all that stuff, that's the only way teams win and find a good player just spending a lot of time doing it. So we've, we've spent a lot of time as a staff doing that. So DJ and I have talked uh, a lot about this on the podcast, positionless players. There are so many teams that are having players that kind of bounce around and they're kind of these hybrids. We've seen wide receivers that have running back skills like wingbacks. We've seen corners and safeties kind of bounce around and some play linebacker. Um, how has the versatility part of the game impacted the way that you evaluate prospects? Yeah, yeah definitely uh, it's a huge part. And I think the big thing is also for your roster. You know, when you're, you know, it allows you to uh, keep players at other positions, uh, you know, or, or do things because you have a guy that can play, you know, whether it's an offensive lineman that can play guard center. Like you said, it's a corner that can play safety, you know, like, you know, like Eric Rowe did that for us, you know, so it's uh, finding guys like that because the game has changed so much where it's spread out. It's not, you know, when we all first started, it wasn't, you know, fullback or an I formation do it, then third down, here comes the third receiver. 
Uh, I think teams are uh, finding ways to spread teams out and do things. So uh, you just have to adjust and be able to find ways to, I, I guess, counter it is the, is the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, because I think those players that have that position flexibility give you a, a tremendous amount of value on your roster. Now you come into this draft armed with unbelievable amount of capital here in draft mm -hmm. picks. When you look at it philosophically, I know everybody says, well, we'll do whatever the board, board dictates. But do you envision a possibility with some of these picks, not might be even be your early ones, mm -hmm. but just the opportunity to kind of manipulate the draft board a little bit based on just the sheer number of picks that you have? Yeah, I think, you know, you're always looking forward and you always have to look a year in advance as well. So, you know, for us, moving up, moving down, staying pat, you know, all those options. And we've had a lot of those discussions, but I think, uh, you know, whatever we'll do, we'll always do what's best for us. But I do, I, I, I like having the flexibility of doing that because it, it just allows you to do so many things, you know, and, uh, you know, um, it'll, it'll be a fun, but uh, busy <laughs> draft day, a draft weekend for us. It, it, that begs the question, when you talk about knowing next year's group, have you guys spent time as a group studying what the quarterback class looks like, not only for this year's class, but next year? Yeah, you have to, you know, and because I, I think uh, even at you know all positions, though, I think because um, you know nowadays college football has become like three and outs on a lot of these players, and the way it is, you kind of know who they are just because of name and, and all the publicity that comes with college football. So, you know, for us, it's it's just being aware, but you're always looking at okay, this guy's a sophomore, he's going to be a junior next year, so he may be in the draft, may not, but. Uh, but you, you spend a little bit of time, and I, and I think the one thing that's good is, the, you know, college football has been more receptive to working with the NFL in terms of trying to get the right evaluations for the underclassmen to try and, you know, keep some of these kids that shouldn't be coming out so they stay and keep developing for another year. So I think as long as we, you know, both sides are very honest about doing it and, and, and working to help each other, because we really don't want the juniors to come out. You guys yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. We would love for them to stay mature and grow. You know, get another year playing and seeing things. And so uh, I think as long as we have that communication with all of us, it'll be good. So I, I kind of want to lean on this because it's kind of one of those aspects that people don't talk about. First-time head coach with a general manager. How do you support a guy who is still trying to make his way in the league as a head coach because the responsibilities are so enormous? How do you help support him while he's also transitioning to being the leader of the franchise? Well, it, it's uh, it's funny you ask that because we were talking about that the other day, and Brian is a tremendously intelligent person, as you guys have been around him. And uh, his ability to handle multiple <laughs> things and do it where, you know, like for me, I need to go like, here, let's do this, focus on this, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit. Brian has that ability. He's one of those people that, you know, he can be doing this and he'll be thinking about this and have it done. And and so for me, the big thing is, um, is just really being a resource for him, you know, in terms of uh, being exposed to some of the stuff on our side, the, you know, not the business side, but personnel side of doing things. And But um, I would just say Brian's intelligence is the thing. And, and as you get to know him and be around him, it's really impressive how he is and handles and the amount of uh, knowledge he takes in and, and absorbs when we talk to him. How much does a, a coach with a scouting background help? Does it help the conversations that you have when it comes to roster building? Yes, because I think he understands. He's been, you know, he's been on the road. He's been, you know, kind of grinding like how we do. And so I, I don't think he's um, 
where some coaches come into this, they haven't seen a player before, so this is the first time they see him. The guy runs great in shorts. He's like, oh, this is my guy. And they're like, <laughs> well, have you watched the film yet on the, before you fall in love? Or Brian kind of understands the process. And so uh, he really appreciates the scouting part of it. You know, he says, you know, he told our college scouts, he goes, you guys are the bloodline of this organization. You know, he firmly believes that the scouting is how you win. So, yeah, so it's exciting to have him with that background and, and the importance he puts on the player personnel. I'm just curious about this. When you guys are where you're picking and, you know, in, in the quarterback market as well, everybody's kept their cards, cards very close to the vest. I mean, Dorsey had us guessing up until the last minute, and he had the <laughs> dang first pick in the draft. Right. What is the message to the group, however big or small that group is that's in the know, uh, to make sure that you're guarding information at this time of year? Yeah, you know, it was another discussion we had. It's, it's just uh, – Nothing benefits us by getting out to anybody, <laughs> you know. So at the end of the day, you know, we'll have a small circle when we get to the end. And, uh, you know, Brian, myself, and, you know, the owner, obviously, and, you know, Brandon, Tom. So we'll get to that and we'll get make our decision on what it is. And, and But right now it's so early even, you know, for all these – as you guys yeah. know, like we haven't even met any of these guys. Uh, so I always laugh when – Guys like, oh, you, you guys love this guy. You're going to take this guy. I was like, I've never Never's talked to this guy <laughs> at all. You know, I'm like, I was like, I, I was like, yeah. So I'm like, this guy may be the biggest jerk I've ever met yeah. in my life, you yeah. know. And, but, um, yeah, I think we're so far. But once we get it, it'll be a small circle. And, uh, you know, and really, you guys know me. I'm not a big media guy, and, and neither is Brian. So I think if anything comes out, it's going to be someone making up something. Uh, last one for me, and we'll let you run on this one. We we had fun talking with Telesco about some of the uh, menial tasks you had to do as a young guy in the personnel department. We've had a bunch. We talked about saving seats. He talked about a goose chase that he had to go on. Um, but for everybody, I think a lot of people at home, that or a lot of people listen to us, they aspire to be scouts. They want to go into this world, and they think it's just rank players and pick players. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know about some of the other stuff. Right. So give us an example of some of the menial tasks you might have had to do back in the day. Oh, wow. Let's see. That was with Parcells and my dad. So I, was, uh, I, I probably couldn't say some of them on the air. But, uh, you know, back, yeah, back in the uh, mid-90s. So, um, you know, th they were very good to me. You know, Bill, you know, Bill treated me great and uh, my dad. Um, I really didn't have really uh, anything like that. Did you guys like have that. the box? Did you guys use the box? No, we didn't use the box, the which box. was, yeah, yeah, thank goodness we never did that. <laughs> yeah. No, the we never. Guys, guys no. used to lug the box yeah, all over all the place. Over. And at the end of the workout, you'd be sitting there like watching them. And the, oh, yeah. But no, and I never understood that thing anyway, too. So, um, no. Like How I, about snacks? Do you have to go get snacks for donuts, donuts? Donuts on the road? What, what do we have to do here? No, I, I will remember one time uh, – in Mobile and Edwin Bailey. Remember Edwin? Long he was scouted for played in the league okay. with the, uh, the Seahawks okay. offensive lineman. So he was scouting with us in New England, and uh, we were driving uh, to practice one day, and Krispy Kreme had just become big. And then the hot light came on, and he cut over like three lanes of traffic. <laughs> and we're like in the back seat going, oh, my God, we're going to die. And, like, and I'm like, what are you – you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, the hot light's on. I mean, is he getting fresh? I'm like, what are you talking about, hot light? I'm like, we almost died for donuts. And I was like – but I was like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, no, I said uh, – we were pretty good. I, I, so yeah. good. Hey, Chris, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I know this is going to be a busy draft. We appreciate you taking some time for oh, us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
But, Buck, it's always great to catch up with Chris. And even though he hasn't been in the chair long, you can see he's just got a maturity and, and wisdom to him growing up in the game with his father. Talked about being around Coach Parcells. Um, this job's not too big for him. No, it's not too big for him. And I actually like the connection that he has with Brian Flores. It seems like these guys are in lockstep in terms of how they want to build the team. And I thought his answer on uh, having a coach with scouting experience was very, very telling in terms of, look, he understands uh, – what scouts are thinking. He understands where this is in the process. And I think that does give you an opportunity to kind of see the game and see player evaluation and player uh, procurement in the right uh, frame of mind. So it's great to get that insight from Chris Greer. Well, from one Chris to another, uh, Chris Ballard, as you mentioned at the top, Buck, you won't find anybody more respected than him around the league for the job that he's done evaluating players first as a scout and then as a general manager here uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. And I thought it was a fascinating conversation listening to him uh, talk about this entire process. So here's our chat with Chris Ballard. Excited to be joined by Chris Ballard here with the Colts. Chris, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you doing this for yeah. us. This is, uh, this is different this year with the Combine. So far, your early impressions of the changes? Well, I mean, look, what Jeff does, Foster and his group, um, pretty incredible. You know, they had to jump through a bunch of hoops um, with, the, with the move to primetime, with the workouts, and then having to, you know, adjust medical, adjust site testing, adjust interviews. I mean, it's a big process. I mean, this is a big event. And what he's able to do, pretty incredible. You know, thinking about the, the size of the event, uh, a lot of people on the outside really wonder, what do we, what do scouts get out of the combine when it comes to all the stuff that we do in the fall? So what do you, as a general manager, what do you get out of the combine? Well, look, number one, medical. I mean, why it was cr originally created. I mean, we always talk about whoever has the best information usually makes the best decision, most accurate and best information, you're going to make good decisions. So starting with the medical, you know, what they're able to do here is is critical for us. Um, and then being able to get at a first initial impression in the interview process. Um, it might be good or bad. And I've seen it go both ways where a guy has a bad interview, we go revisit it again. It just allows us to, you know, are there any flags that we need to go and continue to look look for here going forward. So that first initial impression is critical. And then being able to watch them work out on a big stage in front of every head coach, in front of every assistant coach, in front of TV now, you know, how do they handle that? How do they handle the big stage? I'll never forget um, when I was in Chicago, Johnny Knox, Johnny Knox, uh, and it, all he did was at every game, and he goes to the Texas versus the nation, performed, came to the combine, nobody's even talking to the kid, performed. Gets the NFL. He performed. Um, so usually it translates. That's fantastic. When, you, when you're talking with these kids, I love to know kind of what the go-to question is where you feel like you can actually get a meaningful answer and cut through some of the preparation uh, that's out there. And the reason I want to ask you about that is because I talked to a team when, when Darius Leonard was coming out. They asked him, what would be a successful rookie season? And they said he didn't stutter. He said, first of all, I'm going to take somebody's job. Then I'm going to keep somebody's job, and then I'm going to go to the Pro Bowl. He had a three-step <laughs> plan that he, that he presented to the teams. But I'm always curious kind of what your go-to is there. You know, we've gotten to where we've really turned it over to our coaches. Um, when we're going to dig into the, you know, the personal and the football character side of things, we're going to go spend time with them. I, I just think the, the more time you spend with a player – and, and with anybody, you're, the better you're going to know them. So we're going to go spend more time with them. But now what we are able to get out of them is when, when they get into our interview setting, our, we let our coaches have all 18 minutes of it now. And they're going to present a play. They're going to teach a play. 
They're going to watch the play. Then they're going to watch some of the prospects film. And then they're going to see if they can repeat back what information they can repeat back. So just their capacity to think on their feet. Um, you know, how do they handle the information? Is there anything else that and some guys guys will screw it up. They'll get nervous. It'll be we'll be interview number 10. And, you know, a lot of information has been going through them and they'll repeat something they heard in another room. Um, but it's a great it's really great insight from a coaching and scouting perspective of just how they learn. What can they retain? You know, so in, it's always been fascinating to me and I always wanted to ask a general manager this. Um, so much of scouting where we originally come from is evaluating talent and individually putting talent together. As a team builder, how do you take a collection of individual talent to build it in the right way for the team to be successful? That's the hardest. I think it's the hardest. It's the hardest thing we do. You know, how do they fit, you know, into your locker room? Um, we talk about it all the time in India, and we're, we're pretty selective. I mean, you know, we're the, I always tell our guy, we're in the elimination business. Uh, we're going to eliminate the guys that we know don't fit. And there's a very strict criteria that they have to meet to get, you know, onto our draft board, and we're going to take them. Um, and there's a certain, uh, from a football and personal, football character and a personal character standpoint that they have to have. Um, are they all going to be perfect? No. But they've got to be able to fit into the team concept. I mean, look, you know, in this league, you know, we want, I mean, look, I mean, careers are short. So players, you know, I'm all for them getting, you know, and doing the best they can can. But I always try to explain to our players that when your team does well and you do it within the team concept, you're going to do better also. Two of the things I think pretty universal when you're watching teams around the league and how you're building your teams, it's hard to be a bad team with a great offensive line. It's hard to be a bad team with a really, really fast defense. When you're looking at each side of the ball, what are the things you guys are focusing on trying to continue to build? Well, I mean, look, I mean, we're always going to be front-driven. That's just how I was raised in this league. I just think over time it shows. I mean, when you're good up on the O-line and D-line, um, it gives you a chance to win every Sunday. might not be pretty. It might not be what the world always wants. Um, but it gives when you can block people and, you know, you can control the line of scrimmage, it gives you a chance. Um, and then from a from a, a a standpoint, what was the next question? On the defense, just the this, speed. Right? Yeah, looking at the speed on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look, we're in a we're in a sub defense world now, um, where you're playing nickel and dime 75 percent of the time. So to me, sca- speed allows you to make mistakes. So you can make mistakes, but still recover from it. And with our, like, it was one of the things where, you know, we're playing in ideal conditions here in Indy. We've got a great building, great surface to play on. So we're going to play to that. And we're going to evaluate and try to acquire as many fast players as we can. You know, and, and thinking about that, you've been in the league a long time. And the quarterback position has seemingly changed where the last year we saw athletic playmakers, guys that can make plays with their feet, and also being able to throw from the pocket. When you look at the quarterback position, has it changed? The way you evaluate it, because you've seen so many mobile playmakers have success. I that's a that's really good. And, you, and just I think if you go back in time, let's go back, let's go back to Cordell Stewart. What Pittsburgh did with Cordell, I think I think what the good coaches in this league do is they adjust to what. So if you got a special player um, at the quarterback position, and maybe maybe he's not in a traditional sense what we've we're all used to but he can make special plays on game day that help you win um when the offensive coaches can help when they can adjust to that it's i mean it's critical for your success and i think nowadays with way college football is you're seeing a lot more of it 
Um, and we've got to adjust, and our, and our coaches adjust, and the good ones do. One of the things we've also talked about, kind of the, the Debo Samuel impact. You talk to teams around the league right now trying to find that guy. You've got one in, in Paris Campbell, uh, provided he can stay healthy. But just the, the impact of having somebody that Bucky almost used the term like a wingback is almost what you have. Somebody can play in the slot, you can put him in the backfield, you can do all these different things with him, and the impact that can have on an offense and the challenge for a defense. Well, I mean, look, you got to prepare for him. And when I was in Kansas City, we, we had success with it because – I mean, we took the Anthony Thomas, who was kind of playing that role. And then when we first drafted Tyreek Hill, that was his role until he developed into a, a full-time receiver. Um, but it does. It puts a lot of stress on the defense when you have a, a, a player that's got a unique skill set, an explosive skill set, that the defense knows that I'm going to have to defend him from the backfield, from the slot, and then possibly outside. And he can also carry the football. I mean, it's a lot of different elephants that they have to, you know, elements that they got to prepare for. You know, on, on, on the flip side, on defense, we're seeing more guys that can do more things. Corners that can play inside, play nickel safeties that are dropping into the box and being quasi-linebackers. DJ and I have talked about positionless football. When you look at prospects, are you really evaluating and seeing if guys have versatile skill sets to do more than just that one position? The 46-man the limits you to where on game day they've got to be able to play multiple spots. When, when a guy can only do one thing, it really limits you, especially if somebody gets hurt. Um, so the more they can do, the better it's going to be. And that's – and I think with the – with the changing elements you're seeing on offense, you talked about, um, you know, Samuel and, and being able to defend him, you know, got, being able to take a corner and move him inside to, to defend him. Uh, for linebackers that are athletic and fast enough to be able to handle him, you know, when they try to get those matchups. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is, a matchup league. And you got to be able to match up at every spot. And the more a guy can do, the better, better for you, especially on game day. Last one, I'll let you run. We've asked everybody that's come through here because you go back to your road dog days as a scout. Um, just a, a favorite scouting story that you have there on the road. We've heard, we've heard stories about keys locked in your car at games, <laughs> um, people getting lost oh, in all types of ways. Uh, we had the, the trees at Berkeley when we, we had the folks living <laughs> up in the trees during those years. Uh, just a fun scouting story back from the old days. Oh, God, I've got so many. I mean, we were just talking about the one at Tulane, about the map, because, you know, we didn't have phones and and we didn't have maps on our phones and we'd use a map for everything. And I, and I left the hotel at 730 and didn't get into Tulane till 1130 in the morning. And how long I, should it have taken you? It should have taken me five freaking minutes. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. It was my ignorance reading a map. And then I'm calling the secretary going, I can't find it. Look for the baseball stadium. I can't find the baseball stadium. Oh, no, it's crazy. <laughs> That's so good. Chris, we know you're busy, right. man. I appreciate Thank you, you guys being such great hosts for appreciate us this it. week as well. All right. Appreciate it. Buck, great to catch up with, with Chris Ballard. And I love what he said when you talked about speed allowing you to be wrong on occasion and got time to be right because you've got the speed to get there. And I think that's a great way to put it when you're trying to evaluate these defensive players. We've talked about it. You and I have talked about it on the podcast on multiple occasions. We've talked to other general managers about it. I distinctly remember Thomas Dimitrov talking about uh, the pursuit of urgent athletes, trying to put more speed on the field. Uh, it makes sense. It, it, it speaks to what you and I have talked about, positionless football on the defense side of the ball. And when Chris talks about being able to erase mistakes. What he's saying is a player can make the wrong read, uh, maybe a little late with his instincts, but because he's such an explosive athlete, he can still make the play. And because they play inside, because they play on a dome, you want to build your team to match your stadium. 
They well, built man, it for the surface. Yeah, yeah you, you build it. You put a fast team together, like it, it, it changes, particularly on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, I think that goes back to really Bill Polian. When you look at the team, you were around there with the yes. Buffalo Bills, how he built that team for that weather and what they did to then come in here with the Colts. Look at the edge rushers that they built here with Mathis yep. and Freeney. Just, just get some speed and, and use that surface to your advantage. Yeah, you absolutely. I mean, they're guaranteed to have at least eight games of – Nice weather, nine, nice conditions. Nine, if you consider the, the Houston Texans, yes, give you so, one on the road every so, year. So now when you're building your team, and we've always talked about, you have to build your team to win the division. Well, you take into account the, the home field and those things that you may be challenged with on the road. A fast team in that division certainly plays well. All right, well, it's great to catch up with those general managers. Now, uh, let's get to these tight ends. Uh, when you look at this group, Buck, we've got your top five list here. Uh, why don't you roll through those five names and then see, uh, see if you can't highlight one or two of these guys and what you're looking for this week. So here, here he goes. We talked about the position being a matchup position. All these guys have the potential to create these mismatches that we look for. Cole Commit from Notre Dame is a guy that a big I dude. love. Big dude. He's number one on my list. Hunter Bryant from UW. Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic. Adam Troutman from Dayton, who showed up really, really well at the Senior Bowl, and then Jared Pinkney from Vanderbilt. To me, the guy that stands out is obviously the Notre Dame standout. When you watch him on tape, so big, so massive, such a red zone weapon. Does a great job catching the ball with his hands. Uh, moves well for a guy. You're talking about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's very athletic. I think he can be a guy that also can help you in the blocking game. I think those tight ends are really valued commodities. They're harder to find. They're hard to find. And I'm not calling them Rob Gronkowski, but think about the impact that Rob Gronkowski had on the Patriots, his ability to create mismatches in space while also being a dominant player in the run game. It just changes the way defense have to defend you. No doubt. And when I look through that list, I have Komet, uh, Harrison Bryant, and Adam Troutman kind of as my top three. I have Komet at the top. Those other two, I mean, I'm, I'm really sorting those three guys out and yeah. getting a chance to see uh, Komet here in person, see him move around will be big for me. Somebody who's a closer on the baseball team. He hasn't even been fully devoted to football. He's got a frame. He's going to be able to carry 270 pounds when it's all said and done. 275 pounds even. He is huge. So uh, tremendous upside with him. Uh, but I think what we saw at the Senior Bowl between Harrison Bryant and Adam Troutman, mm. they're mismatch players. Oh, they're, they're, both of those guys are terrific. And I, I'll talk about Bryant first. Bryant is someone that we, we saw – in the regular season, uh, had to do the preview on him for a couple of Conference USA games, and you can see him stand out. He's a guy that is really a big slot receiver. I mean, he's big, he's athletic. We saw at the Senior Bowl, he consistently created separation, was really a nice playmaker. And then when you go to the Troutman, I, I think Troutman is your classic why. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with his route running ability, the way that he calls passes down at the Senior Bowl. It shows up on tape. But I felt like he is a sticky blocker, and that is really his selling point. He's a blocker plus. Hard to find those guys in the draft. All right, let's get to your uh, your tackles here, your top five tackles. I mean, I love this tackle class. I'm really excited about what they will do, starting with Jedrick Wills, Alabama, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Andrew Thomas at Georgia, Makai Becton from Louisville, and then Josh Jones from Houston. I think there's something unique about each of these players. When I look at Wills, 
Wills is really a natural right tackle. And I know we get caught up in these labels, right tackle, left tackle. I think what I like about him is consistent. I think he's a high-level, consistent player. I don't. It, it doesn't matter to me which side he plays on. I think he's going to have success. And then the guy who's really the buzz, Makai Becton from yeah, Louisville. It's a big he is man. the one that you're beginning to hear his name buzz. Six, seven plus. In the scouting community. And anybody who goes on YouTube and sees the videos that are out there on YouTube or on the Twitterverse, when you see him just kind of moving around, their basketball videos of him, great athlete. And so that pass protector, particularly on the blind side, you want him to be a dancing bear, he has all of that and then some. Yeah, he's a definition of a freak. And Jedrick Wills, consistent as anybody. You know, I have him as my, as my second guy. You have him as the first guy. I think that's a, he's a great football player who protected Tua's blind side there on the right side. Just doesn't get beat. He's twitched up. He can roll his hips. He can climb up to the second level in the run game, does a lot of things uh, that you really love there. And then the one, you know, I struggled with early on, Josh Jones there from Houston, was a little bit of an acquired taste for me. I wasn't as high on him early on. Uh, first day at the Senior Bowl, he struggled, and then he really put together a strong rest of the week. Thought he was the best guy down there uh, leading into the game. And when I went back and watched him, Buck, while he's not what we would say real urgent or explosive, at the end of the day, you're paid to do one thing, to keep your man from the quarterback, and that's what he did very well. He, he did do that, that well, and I, I think it would be interesting, particularly down at the bottom of the first round, uh, which teams would view him as an acceptable fit. We saw last year uh, with Dillard going to the Philadelphia Eagles, a guy who we talked about, hey, you know, he's really more of a pass protector. How does that work? Well, the Eagles saw value in that because of the way that they run their offense. And so I think the same thing with Jones. Talk about being an acquired taste. I think he is a bit of an acquired taste, um, but he's tasty for those teams who like to throw the ball around a lot. <laughs> yeah, Tristan Wirfs is another one. I think gonna, he's going to have a really, really impressive time showing uh, his athleticism out on the field. I wrote him up as a tackle, not or as a guard, not because I don't think he can play tackle. I think he can be functional out there and can be a good player. I just saw somebody with the strength in his hands and having some issues oversetting. I thought you eliminated all those issues if you give him a neighbor on each side, put him at guard, and he could be an all-pro. Uh, but teams are different on that in terms of what position he'll play yeah it, it's funny I, I really liked him when I watched him on tape I, I felt like a, at the right side like he does a great job of sealing and controlling the edge and once again I think with all of these guys is not necessarily just ranking them for the talent but how do they fit and certain teams I could see having a reshuffling of the deck based on how these guys fit I think worse in the run game I think his value is really in the run game I think he is really really solid and we know Iowa linemen are technicians. They do a really good job of playing well and playing for a long time in the National Football League. All right, let's get to your interior guys here. Switch over to the interior guys. I got it. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Uh, Tyler, I'm going to mess his name up. Baidaz, I got to look it up too. Yeah, Baidaz from Wisconsin. Natami Moody from Fresno State. Nabil, you're supposed to be our Wisconsin guy here. I know. Matt Hennessy from from Temple, and then Robert Hunt from Louisiana. Um, I think the guy that stands out to me, I'm not going to talk about the top guys. Bamuti from Fresno State. Now that's just medical, man. That's it it is. Now, here, here's the thing, and here's the debate that you and I can have. Uh, when I grade players, I try to discount the medical. I try not to put that in because if we were on the road, that's what we would do. The medical wouldn't affect our initial grades. Won't affect the submit. number you put letters on at the yeah, end. Yeah, you to put letters at that. the end, yeah. and then we'll let the doctors and the medical people uh, determine that. But when I look at him on tape, man, you talk about a mean. Big joker that likes to throw people out the club. He is physical at the point of attack. Does a great job of really control controlling that interior. Um, I don't know. I, I think it depends on how they clear him on the medical. But in terms of on the tape, 
He's a dominant player at the point of attack. Yeah, again, it's just a it's a laundry list of medical. Laundry That's list. the one thing yeah, you got to try and sort, sort through. But man, he is very physical and very talented. And I'm glad you put Robert Hunt on here from Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Lafayette out there. He plays tackle. I wrote him up as, as a guard. I think he played guard. I think he played center as well. Yeah. He's another one with strong, heavy hands, man. When he lands his hands, it is over. It is absolutely over, and he does a good job of shocking people. I think the notable omission on this list, and I've heard about it, uh, what do you stand on Cesar Ruiz? Cesar Ruiz, to me, is my, he's, he's my top guy. Of all the guys you have here, he'd be number one on my list. See, I had a tough time with him because I saw a guy that was on the ground a lot, and I just had a tough time. Like I felt like he was – overextended. I felt like he hit the ground a lot, and it may have been the games that I watched. I just didn't get a great sense of him being like an elite player, and I heard it from his agent. His agent sent me a little text like, hey, <laughs> where's my guy? And I was like, hey, I didn't see a special player yeah. at that position. Yeah, I mean, I, Buck, I saw him on the ground too, but usually his man was underneath him, and he was trying to <laughs> pick him back up after he put him down. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's scouting. That's what scouting is, man. Uh, and do, trust man. me, I've had, I've got one general manager buddy that loves him, and I've got one general manager buddy that hates him. So I had a, man, I that's had how a, it works. I had a tough time. Like you watch the three games, then you put it down, you go work out. Ah, Give me another look. look yeah. And I, I, I just couldn't get fired up about him. It may, hey, maybe he'll show me something at this that'll kind of bring But me are back. you with me in that I do not have any interior lineman? If it, Worfs would be the, the exception, depending on what you think of him, if he's a guard or a tackle. He's a top 20 pick. I don't have a first-round uh, player no. on the interior. No, it was hard. It was hard to get excited. And what made it even more difficult when you called around, you couldn't get a consensus from anybody. You know, like, hey, who do you like on the inside? Any of these guys that you value as a first-round pick? And I couldn't get that consensus. So you're right. Worse has more value as a guy that would be a transition or conversion player, more so than some of these guys that have played a position for a long time. All right, Buck, we're, uh, we're about done here. Just a final impression here from our real first full day of work here in Indianapolis. You know, I, I think the big thing here is just getting ready for the event. Um, the one thing that always stands up to me or stands out to me how do guys handle the interview part of it, especially when we're talking about the quarterbacks? How do they handle that part? Are they presidential? Can you see them being kind of the face or the public voice of the franchise? Because that's the expectation. That used to be the expectation for the quarterback position. How do those guys handle themselves behind the mic? Yeah, I just think, look, free agency's coming up uh, even before the draft, and every team's trying to do the same thing. You're trying to add more talent to your team, and I feel like this week – you know, with getting Tamposi on the show and helping us out a little bit. You she's know, definitely been an upgrade. She's, look, I like to go shopping for my players at places I respect and have been successful. Now, she hasn't had that luxury. She's been with the Around the NFL group. But yeah. I don't hold that against her. And to bring her into the fold here and see somebody just flourish, you know. When but they you just know what I like about her? I think she's embraced the championship standard that we've established here. Like sometimes when you come from a program where you haven't had a lot of success and you're trying to floundering, you're, yeah. you're a fringe playoff team. But she is kind of embraced. I think that might be the New England Patriots in her. She has joined the Patriots, and so I think she's she's fully on board. The one thing I'm just thinking of is having her work with us here in Indianapolis. I'm sitting here going, like, I don't listen to that show, but I've heard she doesn't have a, a prominent role. And I'm like, seriously, with that group? Like, she's not the star? Like, you got to be able to evaluate your own roster before you can go out and evaluate another one. Absolutely. Like, player deployment. Like, you have to understand your player. Understand your personnel. That's the, that's the first lesson when it comes to team building and, and actually coaching. Like, 
know what your players can do. Give them an opportunity to do that. Yeah, well, that's our final thoughts here from the Combine. Uh, here, Lucas Oil, Buck, getting excited for these interviews or for these uh, uh, for these workouts down here on the field. We cannot wait. I hope you will join us on the coverage here. You can find us on NFL Network, NFL.com. If you want to check out the podcast and share it with your buddies, we appreciate it. Uh, leaving us a review and a little, uh, if you got a question for us, drop it in Apple Podcasts. We'll get to it. So I thank you guys for checking us out. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.